You are now listening to Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gap. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them, and that he was also a necrophiliac. Right into Crime Podcast with your host Maddie Matt along with Gabby Gab. And today, Mary Will Big. Todd Fox. Right, but before we get into this episode, we want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just type in Grinding to Crime. Follow our page, like our page, subscribe to our page, leave a comment on our page. We'll get back to you as soon as possible. And also, if you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, all you have to do is download Podbean. Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, Podvine, or Zencaster. And if you're outside of the U.S., which we appreciate the love, continue to listen to us on Radio Public Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. If you like what you hear and you want to support what we do, you can become a Patreon member. Just uh, download the Podbean app, and there you can click on Patreon, and you can subscribe to be a Patreon member. Anything that you donate we greatly appreciate it quick announcements um this february um obviously this february february the first sunday of uh, february we'll be going back live uh we're going back to our normal time which is 9 a.m pacific time so that means you early birds don't have to wake up uh so so early and those who are outside the u.s you don't have to stay up so late to listen to our podcast like we used to we're going back to our normal time, which will be 9 a.m. Pacific time. Last announcement. We were just discussing amongst the three of us. And guess what? We got some good news. Hopefully, by March, if not April, the latest, we will be updating our merch. We'll be getting more merch and we'll be also doing more um, uh, sales with our merchandise as well. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, we're going to. Uh, probably have some more t-shirts and also sweaters and all of the cool things so be on the lookout for that we might even update uh, and have a website ready for that time but in the meantime for sure we're definitely going to update our merch so be on the lookout for that we're definitely going to be updating our merch for you guys and for our fans we appreciate all that you do and obviously listeners discretion is advised because we can't go into details that is not suitable for children or for certain audience. And if you are sensitive to certain things or you don't like to hear us joke and laugh, turn the radio off. <laughs> the radio. <laughs> oh, not the radio. I'm sorry. Turn your phone off or whatever you listen to. You know what I mean. I think. <laughs> With all that being said, you heard me talk enough. Todd, take it over, man. You got the floor, brother. Well, we're going to start at north of the border. In uh, Canada, which is uh, just outside New Brunswick, in between uh, the province of Newcastle. Uh, it's north of the border, Niagara Falls, on the east coast of New York. Oh, okay. Um, this this area is called, and it, it's going to be hard for me to say, because it's really hard for even the people that were doing the story outside of uh, um, 
uh, Canada, obviously. It's called a Miramichi. A Miramichi? Miramichi. Miramichi. Yeah, Miramichi area. Um, it's a it's a lakefront area by Newcastle, uh, which is basically um along the coast, fisherman type town, and uh it runs along this this river, the Miramichi River, and there's you know, uh, it's it's not the most um what do you call it, rich or upscale area. It's mostly uh poverty, uh low income housing, stuff like that. The projects. Not as bad, but for for Canada, <laughs> yeah. they they can't even afford maple syrup right there, you know. Oh gosh, they're getting the sugar. They're getting the sugar free stuff. You know what? <laughs> Dude. Uh, yeah, they're not even using real hockey pucks. It's like the street. Now that's, now that's bad. You know yeah. what, man? Don't don't disrespect the hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so um. This, uh, you know, in the, in the 1960s and 70s, it was kind of bad. It's gotten better over the last, oh, I'd say 20 years. But our story's mostly going to be in the 80s. So get your DeLorean ready to go back in time. Um, and mm-hmm. we're, we're going to start with someone born uh, February 13th. His birthday's coming up here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> 1948. Uh, Alan Legere would get his start in Chatham, New Brunswick, just outside of the Miramichi River. Um, his mother and their small home would rent out rooms for workers or fishermen that were working up and down the river. Um, he would have three siblings born to his mother before him from different men who would stay at the lodge. So this gives you an idea of what his mom did as well as housing the men that would come off the river. Mm-hmm. So in all, there was four kids, two brothers or one brother for Alan and two sisters. Mm. And they were all from different men. How's that? Not surprising. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> How many times, Gabby, do we do a story and there's some effed up childhood? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's probably ninety nine percent of our stories. Pretty much, <laughs> exactly. Well, this one fits right in with all of them. So here we go. Yep. So um, his mom was very promiscuous, and his father was one of the the lodgers. Um, and as soon as he found out she was pregnant, he was like, "Deuces!" He was out. Yep. Dang. That's, that's jacked up, but it was the way you said it. <laughs> yeah. I, I imagine like a Hulk Hogan looking guy, you know, like a Terry Balea, like a but with like a plaid, you know, dress shirt on with an axe over his Time to go, brother. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, What 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 you gonna eat tonight, brother? And then she's like, Stop calling me brother. And then she's like, You can't call me brother if I'm pregnant. Okay, brother, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to WrestleMania. He was gone. <laughs> oh, he was wrestling. <laughs> he sure did. Uh, so, um, yeah, th- he did not have the most respect for his mother growing up, obviously, because even I mean, example. I mean, yeah, I mean, because even as a kid, you you know what your parents are up to, and if it's something shady, it's like. Mm, you know mm-hmm. so um 
Alan, this would affect Alan because of the promiscuous stuff. Now, he he was asked if he was ever molested or touched, and he says no. But I'll let you guys maybe have a theory upon this because he would just out of nowhere start getting his jollies around the age of 11, 12 years old. Now, it could be puberty, or it could have been he was exposed to something sexual on him because it's one thing to see something. But it's also something to act on it. So I don't really know where his mindset was. But he admitted later on that he started to get a voyeurism mentality because he would watch his sisters get dressed and undressed in front of him. Mm. So, okay. so we're talking girls that are probably his sisters are probably around like between 13 and 15. They're they're in puberty themselves and he's just entering it. So it could be that just they should have had their own rooms and they're all in one room and he's seeing stuff he shouldn't see. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't think, I don't know. See, I, I know somebody and I know some people where it was normal to like be in the bath with your dad and your mom and everybody's naked. And that was something natural. It wasn't sexualized, mm-hmm. but then you got people who, expose kids to sexual things and then they don't like teach them privacy between female and male so i mean i wouldn't have allowed my son to watch my daughter's get dressed like it's or vice versa not in the world we live in absolutely because you can't use that clip from kindergarten cop anymore either where it says boys have a penis and girls have a vagina now it's like boys have a penis until they have a penis and then it's cut off and then it's a vagina well i mean i don't know <laughs> you had to go there you had to go there right there. i had to go there. sorry you had to do it <laughs> so um yeah i'm just trying to get my jokes out while we can before it gets hairy um exactly. <laughs> don't go there <laughs> You're on, you're, you're on a roll, man. Sure <laughs> um, so anyway, he in school was a little developmentally challenged as far as like he didn't get the best grades. He would often come off to other kids and teachers if he didn't like you, just a mean old jerk. But if he liked you, he really liked you. Like he was he would do anything for you. And he was like the sweetest kid. So even when bipolar wasn't a thing, he was the epitome of bipolar at that point. Mm. So he was one extreme to the other. Exactly. And um, he had artistic um, touch as far as painting and coloring. So he had some skills, you know, but um, but he was really weird. So um he had that going for him and as he was in his teenager years him and his older brother got really close they went fishing a lot they went hunting uh they you know played sports or just hung out and he looked up to his older brother but something happened which really was a crossroads for young alan and one day there's a big bridge that goes over the miramichi river from one side to the other and his brother was walking on the sidewalk side of the bridge when a truck lost control and smashed and killed his brother against the bridge. Ooh. He lost his brother and his best friend all in one day. 
um basically a scene out of a movie he says when he gets home and everyone's you know the news has been broken to his mom and she's still stunned or whatever and they have other family uh, not family members but people around the miramichi coming over and trying to like console the family because it's big news it's a small town alan is right there and out of nowhere his mom in front of everybody says what do you think why it couldn't have been you gabby you know it came to my mind walk the line johnny cash's dad saying he took the wrong son yeah you two are both right she literally <laughs> said why couldn't it have been you that is sad that's jacked up that was the first thing that came to my mind too johnny cash walked the line yeah, that's a that's a good uh good call by both of you right there. Yeah. But um he this would change everything for him. Um because she didn't just tell him that one time, she told him often. Oof. And he began to just say, you know what, F it. And he went out and started doing petty theft, uh getting caught, then not getting caught, stealing things, intimidating kids, trying to jack them. He got into fights uh because of that, and he wasn't the biggest kid, so when he did pick a fight, when he did try to intimidate, sometimes he bit off more than he could chew and he got his butt kicked. Mm -hmm. So then he would also uh, start becoming a voyeur, which he would go to, you know, homes in the neighborhood and start peeping on these women and a few times masturbating outside their window. That's wow. not surprising. Well, yeah, what was surprising for him is sometimes he couldn't finish literally because the husband or a brother or a uncle would come out and beat the living snot out of him. And Yo, that, yeah, hey, good. Not, not to cut you off, man, but that's that's a terrible way to get beat up. One <laughs> one thing on your hand, your hand on one thing, and you can't even, you can't I just even finish and enjoy yourself. Like that's, that's, <laughs> Babe, that's, it was being disgusting. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just, That's a horrible I, I way mean, to get your butt whooped. <laughs> Hold on, I, man. Let me put my thing away. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't take the thing away. <laughs> I'm a, I'm impressed if he did that during the winter because then, you know. Oh. Frostbite. Frostbite. <laughs> Everything blue. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, if he can keep it up in in the winter, I mean that that's 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 one hell of hey. a sex drive right there. Hey. <laughs> Damn. We're not condoning what he did, though. We're yeah. not condoning what he did. It's just, man, he's Superman. And he got his ass <laughs> kicked, and that's good. You know, he deserves absolutely. it. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Because everyone should respect everyone's privacy. Absolutely. So in the neighborhood, he, he was now turning into the creep of the neighborhood, uh, creep of Miramichi. So he had to get out of there because he kept getting arrested, and then the RCPMD or whatever there was up there, the Royal uh, Mounted, uh, I think it's RMC, I forget. They have a lot of letters. Anyway, uh, the Canadian police said, uh, said, hey, hey, don't be doing that so much, hey. You've got to calm down. Stop pulling your wang out, okay? And then they, <laughs> they let him out. And uh, he's like, okay, screw it. I'm going to go to Ontario and start a new life, which he did. And he was tired, okay. of, he was tired of getting all these uh, into all these issues now. He goes to Ontario, becomes a car salesman, the only legitimate job this dude ever gets. Mm. And he hooks up with a woman and he gets her pregnant. 
and they get married right away. And uh, oh, and, I thought he was going to be like his dad. No, no, no. He he gets he marries this this uh, this woman, and has it. You know, has two kids, and uh, you know, uh, end the story. Right? It's over. Right? You would, you would think so. <laughs> nice. No, he, he settles down for a couple years, just enough to get planted in Ontario, have the family, get a place. But he's just busy cheating on her like you wouldn't wow. go. Wow. And she finds out, and rightfully so, what do you think happens? She divorces him, right? I'm going to say she sticks with him. No, she divorced him. But the, Wait, but, really? But see, he's shocked. He's like, how can you, how can you like, how can you like divorce me, eh? Like, like I only cheated like 67 times, eh? <laughs> 67 times? <laughs> I'm just throwing a number out there. I know. <laughs> but this guy was, you know, just like his father, just in and out, and but couldn't settle down. And he was shocked that she divorced him. And I think one of the triggering points is he wasn't that close to his kids, but the fact that she had control and took the kids and booted them out, that sent him down a bad spirally conclusion of death couldn't come up with the right analogy sorry um so where do you go from here you're in ontario you got you don't know of anybody over there you know like like his friends he's he's got any kind of friends or families all in the miramichi so he comes back to the miramichi at 37 years old so he never saw his kids again nope never saw him again wow yep never never cared to see them again either dang so he didn't fight that no not at all so um he got back into some petty theft and he was trying to get pie again and he at this point he's almost 40 and a loser like he's got nothing going for him and um he's in town and he befriended a couple by the name of john and mary glendening uh they they owned a shop above their apartment. So I don't know if you guys can picture like one of those places downtown, like in a small town or city. And it's like, like got a shop and then like a, a living quarters or apartment. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's one of those. Mm -hmm. So he needed a job. And as he befriended them, they felt sorry for him. And since none of their kids live close, they were out of state now um, or out of the country even. Um, he would do oddball jobs for them, uh, clean up around the store. Uh, he did things, uh, got real close to the two. They started treating him like a son, you know, and he was feeling kind of comfortable with them and they were feeling comfortable with him. Um, so, or with them and then him. So John did not trust banks, the, the husband, and he kept all his money in a safe in their apartment above their shop. Mm. So you can kind of guess where this is going. I don't like it so far. Yep. So Alan, not with a real steady job, just like, you know, doing oddball stuff, helping them out, whatnot, working here and there, decided that it's going to be his next opportunity. So John, uh, being 66 year old, was not in shape uh, all that much at that point in his life. 
uh, and Alan Legere being over six feet at this point and a little bit bulky now because his time in the pen, he had been doing a lot of weightlifting. Mm. Um, his plan was to enlist the help of two people to help him take the safe physically from the house to a safe place and then break into it. Now, the the safe was supposed to be upstairs, but he found out that it was moved downstairs to the shop. So he figured, I'm not going to mess with a couple. I'll break in downstairs with it with the uh, with my friends. And it was mm-hmm. eight year old Todd Machete and 19- eight. Yeah, eighteen year old. Oh, eighteen. Oh. oh, I heard eight. <laughs> oh, my bad. Eighteen year old. Okay. Eighteen. Okay. 18-year-old Todd Machete and 19-year-old Scott Curtis. What were you doing there, dude? What's a 37-year-old grown man doing with an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old? Well, these guys were those two kids. You know know how you always go to a 7-Eleven or a liquor store and you got teenagers out there asking you to buy booze? Mm Mm-hmm. Those were the two kids. Mm, Makes sense. Carry on. (laughs) Apparently, Todd was one of them. Yeah, I was actually back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, these these two these two kids not only were doing that whole, you know, buy me a drink thing at a liquor store. He befriended them. He offered them smokes. They got to be good friends. They actually started robbing people too together because these two had a prior conviction going back to fifteen years old for both of them. Like they were both juvenile offenders, so they fit in with a thirty-seven-year-old Alan Legier makes sense so um again the safe was supposed to be downstairs at this point and the three broke into the the store no alarm set off everything was good but at some point they realize it's not there and that john must have moved the safe back upstairs so not wanting to give in the two boys Todd and Curtis told him, hey, man, let's just steal whatever's in the cash register, steal a few things from the store, and let's get out of here. Alan was like, no, I know there's thousands of dollars in there or whatever they call the Canadian currency, and we're going to go through with this. And so they figured they'd sneak upstairs. The couple would be asleep. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, both were watching TV at the time. Mm. They broke. And none of them were covered. Say again. Like they weren't covered. The the guys stealing were not covered. They didn't have no ski mask or anything. No, they did not. They walked in. So basically, if they were seen, they were going to be identified because it's a small town. So, you know what happened next. Mm. Um, the trio ambushed John right away, and they started beating him up and asking for the whereabouts of the safe. But he, in their haste to beat him up, they knocked him out. Mm. So he's bleeding out on the floor in a bad way. Mary, before she could scream, her, you know, her, um, they covered her mouth. They started beating her. And unfortunately, it doesn't say which one, but, or how many of them did, but she was sexually assaulted. Oh, and she was an older woman. She's in her 60s. Wow. She was beaten with a phone 
and with a uh, a leg to a chair. And uh, her husband passed away from the beating as he was tortured for the safe, which they never got. Wow. Um, They then decided to set the apartment on fire. And as they did, though, they left across the street. Someone saw them and they called the fire department and they got there as you know, quickly to put out the fire. And fortunately, Mary was still alive. Oh, wow. She had she had just completely passed out and they thought she was dead. Uh, they rescued firefighters, rescued her before the flames got to her. And she wound up surviving and was able to positively identify all three. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so um, the. What happened is they gave the the 18 year old 10 years in prison. They gave uh, what is it? Uh, Curtis 18 years. And they gave uh, our boy Alan 25 years to life. Mm. So. I'm guessing this is not the end of the story, though. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yes. Because this is this was a 1986. And um, if you know Canadian law, they don't put anybody to death. Number one. And number two, when they say, hey, you're going you're going to never see the light of day. You're going to jail for for life. And then you're like, I sound like a Canadian Mexican, huh? You do uh, sound like a Canadian Mexican. I go, <laughs> or Hispanic. I was there you go. <laughs> no, Mexican would be right because of the accent. Oh, okay. He sounds totally Indian. I'm just going to give up on that already. Sorry. <laughs> Try hey, 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 hey. <laughs> but, uh, but no, he... Um, 25 years to life is literally the limit that you, you can't go any higher than 25 years why Canada for that that's just Canada that means life to them. that's like you're just encouraging people to do stupid things but actually Canada is pretty safe really <laughs> that we know of that we know of yeah that <laughs> we know. so um, we uh we're gonna fast forward here. And we're only going to fast forward three years till 1989. Oh, gosh. And we we have a date, May 3rd, 1989. Wow. I was three years old. Yep. I was, yeah, I was born. (laughs) (laughs) I was was nine. Um, Dang. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So um, May 3rd, 1989, to be exact. Um it's just a couple years after Alan was uh, being quiet to himself as a model prisoner. He was just reading books, working out, getting bigger and bulkier. Alan began to cl- uh, complain of a pretty bad ear infection. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what had happened was this wasn't a random ear infection because of cold in Canada prisons. It was because he would take a paper clip randomly in the library and start poking at his eardrum. And oh, wow. he would take dirt from outside, start rubbing it into the wound in his ear. He, would even, he would even take his own piss and start like leaking it into his ear through some 
I don't know, cup or whatever. He was trying to get it as infected as possible. So wow. it started getting pussy. His ear was blowing up. He couldn't hear. He was in a lot of pain. So he finally can uh, convince the doctors or the medical staff at the prison, like, hey, we need to take him in for some treatment. He needs more than just antibiotics. He might need some surgery. We're going to check him out, right? So, Sneaky bastard. Exactly. And what do we have north of the border? I mean, is there another name for Johnson up there? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna say it. No, no Johnson. <laughs> I mean, listen to what happens. This is crazy. So, these two guards take Alan not too far from the prison either. It's not even that far. It's to a hospital. It's maybe even a few miles from the hospital in a van in shackles mind you he has he has handcuffs they have no weapons what they are armed with pepper spray hey that can do some damage this is a murder <laughs> this is a murderer right here man you should have seen his face when he said that they, <laughs> He couldn't keep a straight face, could he? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I've been pepper spray before, man. It didn't take me out, but it, it hurt. Well, yeah, I mean, but but a guy like this, and you got determination. I mean, we've seen it before. I mean, pepper spray doesn't. It oh either. yeah, pepper spray. Yeah, if you if you're determined or you're you want something, yeah, pepper spray ain't nothing. Oh yeah. And see, Alan had been working on this plan for quite some time, as you'll find out here. Mm. Is because the Johnsons are like, hey, he's in shackles. We don't even need guns. Like, yep, we just got this pepper spray right here. This should do it. <laughs> so they take him uh, to this place, and he says, uh, um, hey, man, I, I got to use the rest of me. And so they say, okay, so... <laughs> They t he goes, I can't hold my wang if if you got my hands in, in the shackles, eh? And so they <laughs> take the shackles off of his feet. Genius. But they still, like, they put his handcuffs over his stomach. You know how they have them behind his back? Mm -hmm. They put him back on in front of his in front of his stomach so he could hold his wang. Now, here's the thing. I don't know how he did this. But... <laughs> Over the months prior to this incident, he had made a key out of metal from, like, I guess a knife or a fork. You know, I didn't know they were still given, you know, it was something from the prison he shaved down and he had tested it and it had worked on handcuffs. He made a homemade key. Look at this MacGyver. Yeah, and that's not even half of it. So he shoved that homemade key up his arse Ooh. and that's not the only thing so back then before flat screen TVs young kids there was these TVs that you needed antennas because there was no cable in certain areas antennas, antennas. <laughs> <laughs> and they would extend they would start real small and you'd have to extend them like rabbit mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. so he broke one of those off of the, the prison TV Mm. Without, without being noticed 
and he proceeded to push it down to where it got as small as it could, maybe about a good six inches, and, well, that went right up his arse as well. Mm. Oh, he took all six inches. Oh, he took six inches, all right. <laughs> he took it like a champ. No. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> so um, he put it up his backside, and so when he went to go use the restroom, he was able to, I don't know, dig or... However it was, but he got the antenna and the key out of his butt and he was able to unloose his shackles on his hands. He pulled out the TV antenna to use it as a weapon. Ugh. Ugh. Stinky and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Picture this. Two I don't want to. I'm going to make you picture it, damn it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. So, picture two Johnsons outside of a bathroom door <laughs> waiting with pepper spray and probably reading the newspaper about the hockey scores. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the door flies open. Alan's in a fit of rage. He's still in his blue or orange jumpsuit waving an antenna that smells like you know what? Mm. And they yeah. they start to pepper spray him. And again, he's a big dude at this time. It doesn't even affect him. He, he hits the the cops with the antenna. <laughs> if you hit somebody with that metal antenna, that's going to hurt. You know, it's at least going to whip you, you know? <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> They're all, ow! Ooh, that smells. Ow! Oh, God! <laughs> And that ain't maple syrup on that thing. Oh, <laughs> God, no. <laughs> oh. So, uh, yeah, he um, he beat him, and they tried to chase, but he shut the door. He threw objects like in a movie, and he jumped into a woman's car and held, well, held her at uh, Antenna Point, I guess, threatened her. Oh, at Stinky and, Antenna Point? She's like, ugh. Yeah, she's like, where do you want me to drive? Just hurry up. I want to get there. You know, <laughs> they took off. And, um. Well, first, well, first of all, man, them antennas weren't that thick. They were the nice size, but they, he he beat two. I don't get how that's a weapon. He beat say. two officers with that antenna. I get the smell, but really? <laughs> I'm, look, I'm just telling you what happened, man. I mean, this is. Really? <laughs> I don't know if he had some superpowers on that or I, but it, whatever worked it, it did and it got him away. It must have really stank. The... <laughs> <laughs> Dang. So these officers had no way to fire back at him, take him down, nothing. And uh they were I don't know if they were Fire. Human, but yeah, they should have been after that. Um but as he had the woman drive for a couple miles, he told her to pull over and that he wouldn't mess up her car. That he would just hey I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, ditch your car. I won't hurt you. I won't hurt the car. And he held up his promise. He dropped her off. He took her car to another gas station before leaving the car and the keys in the car safely. Um, well, what a gentleman! Yeah, he would at that point. <laughs> uh, he goes into the woods and he finds a a home or sleeps overnight as the cops are looking for him. And he breaks into a home on May tenth. And he steals some family's belongings that they're not there. And he takes their car and he takes off. Um, 
so they're looking for the other car, but he has now another car. He so he's been going back and forth, and uh, well, they're nowhere near catching this guy. <clears throat> no, they're they're nowhere near <clears throat> at all. And um, at this point, his mindset is everyone has screwed me over. Everyone thinks I'm a joke. Uh, I'm going to show them. So Uh-oh. here's where his rampage starts. <clears throat> May 29th, 19 days later, Annie Phelan and her sister-in-law, uh, Nina Phelan, uh, were lived above the same kind of like store as the other couple. Mm-hmm. They, they had a convenience store on the bottom. They lived upstairs. Uh, Annie was 75 years old. Her sister-in-law was 61. Um, and they lived together because Nina, um, a- uh, Annie's sister-in-law was married to Annie's uh, brother who passed away. And the two just took care of each other in the store together. They, they ran the store. Annie had been a fixture in that neighborhood of the Miramichi for 50 years owning that store since she was 25. Mm. So everybody knew her. Uh, the police um, the police would find out about it because Alan would break into the home um, of the import of the apartment and where he would encounter Annie and he forced himself upon her raping her and beating her to de- beating her to death before Nina would come into her room because she was hearing noises and Nina would then get the same treatment from Alan. So he raped a 75-year-old woman. Yeah. Okay, then now we know he was the one who raped the other lady. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, and, and actually, I got to make a correction on this one. Uh, the husband and wife, they both died in the first one. It was it was right here in, in my notes. I, I wrote it uh, in the wrong spot. Um Nina, the sister, the the sixty one year old, she was the one that played dead, and she would survive. So uh, the, the husband and wife died in the first one. I apologize. I got that. Oh, so then how were they caught? Because of the neighbor? Of a neighbor, right? Yeah, the neighbor caught. Yeah, the neighbor. The neighbor uh, identified him. So I'm sorry uh-huh. about that. But but this one, they uh, he set the place on fire again, and this time the, this this is where the firefighters came back and they were able to save. Uh, Annie's life, so she mm. made that. But she's but she survived with uh, pretty good burns because he set her mattress on fire, and she had to play dead while the mattress was on fire around her and touching oh, her. Wow. So she had to literally wait for him to leave the room and leave the apartment for her to roll off the 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 bed, start rolling towards or crawling towards the living room to where she knocked down a phone and was able to call 911 and before the fire got to the living room they found her and took her out so it wasn't the again i apologize i was going too fast in the story um the husband and wife did die in the beginning but the sister-in-law survived in this one it happens Todd. don't let it happen again (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) see Yeah, sir. <laughs> I didn't mean to do it, all right? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, dang, just imagine playing dead while... While you're burning. While you're burning. 
that's intense right there that's intense yeah i don't know if i could do it how could you control that oh yeah i mean that's i'd be screaming like a girl i mean oh, it, for real she got more hard than me i would have been <laughs> running screaming oh absolutely i mean just the, the the burning sensation when you like literally touch yourself on the on the stove like i did the other day mm-hmm and oh. it's like, oops, you know, but but then it freaking hurts and it bothers you all day. I can't imagine these people that suffer, you know, 60% burns over their body, like how painful that's got to be. Damn. Mm. See, if I burn my hand on the stove, I put some butter on it, you know. And it, Look, I'm going to tell you something. I went through an experience when I was a kid. I was seven or eight and I didn't burn with fire. It was boiling hot soup on my back. And that thing just dissolved my skin off. It was the most horrific thing I've ever been through. So I cannot imagine like literal fire roasting you. Yeah, that's she's brave. I'll give her credit for that. Yeah, that's dang. That is some self-control. Oh, that is. That is. <clears throat> so I ran out the door screaming to the street. My parents had to go bring me back. <laughs> oh, and I bet you didn't stop screaming for a while either. I mean, damn. It was horrific. Yep. Yep. So you know, at this point, firefighters, police get there. They're you know, they're, they're saving Nina. The the people in the neighborhood are upset. They're already starting rumors that it's Alan because he's it's all over the news that he's out. And that he's, you know, on the loose. So it's got to be him. And um, the mayor of New Brunswick called in, you know, the RCPMD or again, it's Royal Mounted Canadian Police. So RMC, PT, whatever. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You're over there scrambling over your own notes. Yeah. He called it the highest authorities. Let's just put it in there. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) So, RMCP? Um, he's like the RMCP. EPMD <laughs> was there too. I don't know a lot of rep groups. EPMD, <laughs> yeah. a lot of rep. NWA, all of it. NWA, EMT, Casey and JoJo. <laughs> yeah, they're all looking for him. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they were frustrated. The mayor was frustrated. Police, uh, detectives. Um, and then what made him even more frustrated is that Alan was a survivalist. So he could go to people's neighbor, you know, homes, back homes, uh, break into stores and just take some supplies and just live for a couple days. He was fine. Mm. And um, the community was devastated. Uh, she had been a fixture in all kinds of things, you know, year round. She was that mom that would make the soup, uh, you know, for the, per- you know, uh, or for the Christmas uh, dinners or, you mm-hmm. know, she was, you know, did all that parade stuff. She was well in in uh, in the community. She was known for the, for the neighborhood mother. Yeah, exactly. She was sweet as can be. So people were pissed. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they brought uh, trackers up in there. They had special agents. Uh, they were trying to find this dude. And uh, we'd fast forward now to October 13th, 1989. Uh, sisters who lived together in a quiet neighborhood of the Newcastle area outside of the Miramichi, uh, Linda and Donna uh, Doheny. Uh, this one's kind of rough. Linda was 41 
and her sister was 43. Mm-hmm. The sisters were both attacked in their home, both tied up. Now, again, listener discretion is advised. This one's tough. Um, Donna, the oldest sister, was tortured in front of her sister, beaten and raped, then beaten to death in front while her sister was tied up watching the entire time. Hey, man, that sucks. Blood spatter would be all over the walls. Alan finished with Donna to move on to Linda, who suffered the same blunt force trauma to the head and violent sexual assault before the house was set on fire. This guy's disgusting. Yeah, he... he, um, he went to town on these two and did not hold nothing back. I mean, this was brutal. brutal. So he killed both of them. He I killed... hope somebody took off his wing. Nice. So he killed those two. He killed the older, the neighborhood mom, and he killed the two, uh, the couple. Yeah, he's up to five now. Mm. So the... that sucks to see your sibling. You know, you something you can That's really horrible. do. You can't do anything. He would later go on to tell the, you know, which hasn't been released, but he would tell investigators on just exactly how they reacted. And just the detectives were just besides themselves with how he carried everything out and his description of everything. And after the fire was put out, um, dental records would confirm it the, the two sisters' fate. Because that's how badly the place burned. It was an older, nice wooden home, but it went up like matchsticks. Dang. Yeah, and because of the incompetence of the police and or those jail guards, whatever you want to call them, you know, now these people had, you know, three people and a fourth victim suffered because of this. So, um, Alan Legier, uh, the crime scene was, was brutal and the, the murders now made him the most wanted person in, in not only the Miramichi area, the new castle, the new Brunswick, he was wanted all over Canada. Like they brought in a special, another special task force. Um, this, it got so bad in the new Brunswick, new, Newcastle and Miramichi areas up and down that river that they actually canceled Halloween. Dang. The mayors of those towns and providences all got together with law enforcement and said that he could come out of the woods dressed as Jason or another fictional character and walk among us and kill somebody. We're not we're not going to risk that. So they canceled Halloween. That's big. That was a smart move. Yeah. They were like, no, we we got it. We got to catch this guy. Now, as the heat has been turned up, he lays low. There's been several sightings of him in the forest, but he just keeps disappearing. Like there's even um, a that sounds like that sounds like they're looking for Bigfoot. Yeah, exactly. Because some of the police were like. He's almost like a my- mystical character when he gets into the woods. You can't track him. They they had helicopters. There was one instance where 
they thought they had him in a certain area and he actually shot at the cops they returned fire they, they sent everybody in they had helicopters and he was gone like they didn't know where the hell he was they set up a perimeter and they couldn't find him wow Ooh. and because of this and they tried at least these guys weren't Johnson but they tried but unfortunately someone else paid a price mm. so we have another date and that is November 16th 1989 Jeez, that long he's still out there still out there yep it's father James Smith he had been visiting with a local hospital and its residents who were recovering from either surgery or having babies who, who were sick just being a good preacher trying to comfort those in you know with the word or just be there for them if they had no family members there right mm -hmm. and he stays in the hospital all day till about 9 p.m then uh at night a passerby had told police that he saw father james smith on his porch of his house which is just adjacent to the church looking out towards the woods as if he were to have heard something that would be the last sighting of father james smith so a man now yeah man uh father james smith was supposed to lead the morning procession the very next morning but he failed to show up uh, the churchgoers and parishioners were not used to James Smith, Father James Smith, being late. So they decided to give them, give him his own welfare check by getting into the church-owned house just adjacent. They had the key to go in there and try to see if he was okay. Immediately they saw blood on the floor and they called the, uh, the police. And the police got there, and they weren't prepared. They weren't prepared for what they saw. Let's just say that. Mm. Um, one of the detectives said it was the most grisly thing that he's ever seen. Um, Father James Smith was lying on the floor. Get this: his eyes were gou gouged out. Oh, yeah, they were gone. Um, there was a massive hole in his chest. Uh, blood had sprayed everywhere all over the walls. Um, according to the autopsies, officials either prior to or his at the time of his death, the killer had stood on Father James Smith's chest, jumped up and down so hard it broke his ribs, separating them completely from his sternum altogether. Mm. So he stomped a hole in him. Mm. That's big. Why so <clears throat> much hate? I I have no idea. That one I can't explain. I mean that I mean I couldn't explain the other ones as far as just the well I couldn't explain the first part right, but the, the other parts as far as his motives like I don't get it. Mm. So detectives had figured that it was a crime of opportunity and then he just went into a rage because their understanding was that he was hungry because there was a lot of food missing from the fridge and it looked like he had eaten afterwards because there was blood on the refrigerator 
and where he would sit where he was sitting down man this dude yeah and he didn't care about dna or leaving fingerprints or shoe prints there was blood prints everywhere from him wow wow that's i can't believe that yeah and you can and you can imagine he was probably still alive when he gouged his eyes out or even the chest thing because if blood was spraying everywhere, that means the heart was pumping, right? And he was still alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, police would also find some of Alan's hair there that they would later on through DNA and hair samples match up to Alan. So even if he tried to lie about it, that was all him. Um, because he also, um, gave himself a haircut when he was there. Uh, yeah and that is going to come into play very soon here as we wind this story up because as he steals father james smith uh car it was found at a train station it hit the news bulletin that his car was missing and an alert train attendant taking tickets spotted the preacher's car in the parking lot in new brunswick a train that was headed for montreal so they called the police and said, I think your car's here. Your man just got, I saw a man fitting the description, getting on the train and taking, uh, taking the train towards Montreal. And, um, as he went to go to Montreal on the train, the police department was notified in Montreal. Uh, they, they were like, all right, man, we, 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 we got this guy, you know, we're looking for a guy with a, a big ponytail and a beard and uh so so let's let's find him and, and they have the they have the uh the ticket so they know where he's sitting on the train so when the you think the story's over because the train makes it into montreal right mm -hmm. and the police are there and they're looking for alan they know he has a tattoo and here's the problem He's not on the train. He's on the train. They get the right guy. They take him off the train. But he has no beard. He has no ponytail. And when they say, hey, can you, um, you have an eagle tattoo on your, uh, on your right arm. And he rolls up the sleeve of his long sleeve shirt and there's no tattoo. What? So the police are like, all right, A, you can go. And they keep searching the train. They think they just got the wrong guy, right? Mm-hmm. The Johnson struck again. Mm-mm-mm. Wait, didn't... so why didn't he have a tattoo? Because the details that the other Johnson gave him was it was supposed to be on his left arm. Oh, my God. Had he rolled up his sleeve, they would have saw the eagle tattoo, and that was clearly him with a face shaved and the ponytail gone. That was him. So. Idiots. They let him go. I would have still checked his other arm. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then one of them, like one of the police officers said, hey, you know, uh, did you check his left arm? They're all, I thought it was his right. And they were like, that could have been him, stupid. Oh, no. So, um, Alan <laughs> got away. <laughs> Wow. 
Yeah, and uh, ay, ay, ay. But where he made a mistake is, is that he hijacked the taxi cab, and he then got out of the taxi cab. When he went a little further, he was trying to head west, and he gets into a car, um, or he points a gun at at someone trying to rob them. It's an off-duty police officer. Mm. So she let she plays as innocent as she can. He he uh, lets lets her steal her car, and they take off. And then, or she t- he takes off with her car. She calls it in and says, "It's Alan Legere. I know it's him." And so now you got all the police going his way, and he finds out that they're looking for him again. That they're on to him. He hijacks a truck with a guy in it, but the police have a roadblock. They stop him. They're pointing guns, and he's too chicken to take on the cops, and he gives up in a standoff. Mm. So he's he's finally stopped. He goes to jail. You know he's 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 a uh, you know caught with no incident. He goes to jail. He gets nine years for kidnapping charges and the fleeing and escaping of the prison. Uh, he gets another nine years for that. So it's nine years on the run for that. Nine years for the the um, again. These are light sentences for the for the stuff that he's done. I and, agree. Yeah, and then he uh, for the first time and this is Canadian history that DNA would convict. A suspect because they got him convicted on the on the other murders through DNA charges mm. and through the hairs. So, how long do you think he gets? I'm going to go the 25 years, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna think more. I'm hoping this time he got life. He probably might have even got death, eh? no no death uh but fortunately um they gave him 25 years in 1991 so you would do the math right there and you'd say wow so he'd probably be paroled in 2016 no um fortunately uh whether they did you know they bribed the hockey officials that rule the, the criminal justice system um somehow some way he's literally serving life up there he's 74 years old gonna be 75 in edmonton alberta's maximum security prison he's never gonna see the light of day they twisted the rules somehow because he is a monster and he's tried to to say that he's um mentally unstable he should go to a mental facility but they've turned that down they found loopholes and they're running his his uh sentence concurrently he's not due to get out till he's or parole for till he's 99 years old so he's effectively gonna die in prison good so that's one time the canadian justice system got it right but look look what kind of damage that dude the look of the damage i mean they would have got it right the first time had he never been released or never uh, got away yeah Mm. But that's the story of Alan Legere. He was called the Monster of Miramichi. Those you two... know what my punishment would have been. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Taking out innocent people like that, burning them and stomping on people like they're freaking trampoline. No, I'm good. You got to go 
Now I would have burned them all right, but I would have started with the wang slowly. Off with his wang. Off with his wang, but with fire. Would it would it have been in like a blowtorch, like a slow like? Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh I'm well, I would enjoy that. I would have been like, just kill me. <laughs> I'd be like, here you go, mother effer. This is what you get. This is what you put people through. See, I think I think Gabby would sound un, uh, inappropriate at first, but dishing out the pain at because she'd be like, whip that thing out. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, burn, baby, burn. Yeah, whip it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Alan told those police officers, those Johnsons, when he was whipping them. Now whip it. Whip it good. Now whip it good. Damn the shape. <laughs> <laughs> that's, it all started with a freaking broken antenna and his goddamn MacGyver keys. Yep. And some stinky poopy. The goddamn. Because <laughs> you know it's stank. <laughs> Uh yeah, I'm sure it did. He cracked yep. the mess out of that. Probably cut his butt up. <laughs> you know that antenna was that antenna was sharp when we had to break that much. Exactly. You know there's some prisoners up in the uh the clubhouse or wherever they watch the TV, they're all they're all hitting the side of the box of the TV, they're all damn this TV's working like ass, and then Alan's like, If you only knew. If only you knew, man. If only you know. It <laughs> definitely does. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad this bastard is locked up for life, but I'm still I'm always gonna be mad at how they pay for their crimes. Oh yeah, because it's not I'm when you take someone's life, it's not really justice. Yeah, we we rarely have a case that satisfies not only Gabby but all of us, like when it comes to an offender. You know, because yeah. on, on one hand, you could have people saying, well, I want him to rot in prison as long as he possibly can. And then there's other people who are like, no, no, no. I want this bastard to die. You know, uh, yeah, I want him on a stake. I want him tortured and I want him literally torched to death. Yeah. Wow. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Don't mess with Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Well, that's it. I mean, if you guys got any final comments, but uh, the only thing I'm going to say about it is, again, I, I feel for the victims because absolutely, man, they're just I'm living saying. their life, taking care of each other, and uh, especially, yeah, I'm this to be tortured like those two sisters, be handcuffed, and seeing one of your siblings being killed and raped in front of you and you really nothing you can do ah, just the agony you know and then the preacher you know he's just trying to be a good person and for him to be tortured like that like yeah that's sick dude all of them all the victims yeah most people oh. paid so man screw you alan Yep, stupid Alan Lazier. Still alive, man. Can you believe it? I, believe I hope it. he's deaf from his stupid ear. <laughs> I know, right? I wonder what happened to his ear. Yeah, I wonder. It doesn't say. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to. If he got. When he got rearrested, I wouldn't fix anything on him, dude. No matter what. Oh, no. I can care less if he was bleeding from his nose. All right, put some tissue on it. Yep. Go away. 
So. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you, Todd, for breaking down that story for us, sir. And uh, I think we're going to come to a close. So this has been the Grinding True Crime Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed it. But before we leave, quick reminder of where you can find us. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Just type in Grinding True Crime. You can listen to us if you're from the U.S. on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, Podvine, and Zencaster. And for those outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Podchaser. This has been another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with the host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. And we are out of here. Toodles. Peace. Y'all come back to the Miramichi. You hear it, see, brother? <laughs> <laughs>